Welcome to the Baptizing Church, where the Word of God is preached undiluted. Our vision is to raise a generation of believers who influence things to the ends of the earth. Here is the Word of God. Listen and be blessed. in the midst of us is mighty. I want you to lift up your hands and worship him this morning. You know, worship is deeper than songs. Worship is deeper than words. Worship is deeper than any expression you can give to it. It is spiritual together. So you can only make a time to utter words, to express the depth of fellowship that exists within you. For indeed no word can express the union of man with the Spirit of God. Nothing can express it. So this that is joined to the Lord, it is one Spirit. One Spirit. How do you express that? How do you express that? That man become one with God. What a great mystery. What a great mystery. That man has become one with God. Lord, you are beautiful. 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 We see you the way you are. Separate from all else. Incomparable. God all by himself. God is holy. Is incomparable. says my heart sings whole for you see right now I'm lost for words when it gets to that point in worship that you don't have any word to describe how you truly feel yes
Lord, we adore you. We thank you because you have brought us. You, you brought us close. You have brought us to where you are. We no longer dwell in the outer court. We no longer require a man to do our worship for us. Thank you, Father, for bringing us to where you are. Thank you for bringing us to your presence. That we may behold you. That we may behold your glory. We thank you, O oh God. So you see, I know it is so clear in my spirit that people are being empowered right now. You see, it is the power of grace. It is the power of grace. Empowerment in the house this morning. I tell you, let me define some of it for you. For someone you are receiving the capacity to say no to sin. Yes. Is the spirit of grace, is the power of grace. It teaches you from inside, it capacitates you to be able to say no to ungodliness. It changes the course of your life and brings you to a place where your grip on grace is firm. He's doing that right now. Doing that right now. Another person is being empowered. Fear is being cast out. And he's establishing you in his love. He's maturing you. He's setting you on the path of growth. In love. Because that is the force. That casts away all fears. Bible says perfect love. Cast out all fears. Fear has torment. An end has come to your suffering. You've been liberated. Because you have been empowered. Empowered. Strengthened. In love. In love. In love. You see, you suddenly realize you have capacity for more. Yes, you suddenly realize I can truly forgive. You suddenly realize I can put it behind me. It's been difficult in that hole, but now empowerment has come. You can truly, truly put it behind you. It comes from God. It's not you. It's not you. You that I know, you want revenge. You that I know, you are vindictive. But the power of Christ is what energizes you. Put these things behind you. Receive that empowerment. God is here. And the Lord in the midst of us is mighty. He's doing his work. He's walking through the congregation. 
touching lives, aligning destinies to be situated firmly at the center of his wheel. That is what he's doing. He has commanded corporate worship that he might be able to do what only him can do. Lord, we thank you. We adore your name, Jesus. We thank you, Father, for this opportunity. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your grace. Lord, like your prophet, we pray that you will rend the heavens, that you will come down. That the mountain might shake at your presence. Bring everyone into submission. Bring everyone into the great influence of your power. Let your word, O oh God, as free course in our lives. Let your word, O oh God, navigate freely. Drawing light, shedding light, light into the dark corners of our hearts. Let us come face to face with that we have to do. To move into the next thing that you have for us. Today, Father, as your word is taught, the frontiers of the kingdom will be expanded. Thank you because many will come in today. Thank you because we will push the agenda of the kingdom beyond where it was before as a result of this word in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that this morning as your word goes forth inerrant in your word is the power to deliver inerrant is your word is the power to save inerrant is your word is the power to heal do all that and more in this service in the name of Jesus. Many are confused not sure where their lives are headed. Lord, I pray that direction, focus, we come in the name of Jesus. We give you praise, Father. In Jesus' name. Can you put your hands together? Let's celebrate the Lord. Celebrate the Lord. Celebrate the Lord this morning. We honor you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. As you are seated, can you help me appreciate his masterpiece choir? I didn't say HMC because some people are new in service this morning. 
So I want them to know who we are clapping for. Let's celebrate his masterpiece choir. God bless you. Hallelujah. They are truly, truly anointed. Hallelujah. If you are not careful, they will throw you off balance. We will preach the message you have not prepared for. Hallelujah. By the power of Christ. Amen. Good morning, everyone. So good to see you. Uh, permit me before going into the world this morning to welcome a very, very special set of people that we have in the house today. If you are from the law school, Nigerian law school, Abuja, can I see your hand? Just wave. Just wave. Just wave. Just wave. I want you to know that we love you. We celebrate you. We were on your campus yesterday and we had such a warm reception. Uh, reception. You didn't invite us. We invited ourselves. <laughs> So that we might invite you. We had such, such a beautiful, beautiful time. And I want you to help me celebrate. Just put your hands together and celebrate the team that went with us to law school yesterday. Amazing people. You see, when you have a very good team, anything can happen. You can start with fellowship with the spirit and end with fellowship with some other things. You will suddenly find plates before you. And before you realize it, you are navigating some... <laughs> Sorry if you don't understand what I'm talking about. What I'm just saying is that we went to invite you and we ended it with a feast. That's it. That, that's what I was saying. Hallelujah. Praise God. Today we have a very, very, um, I'm still continuing that um, tradition of just giving just one word title to my message. Last week um, I touched on, we discussed what did we discuss last week? Accountability. And one of the things I really want you to hold on to is for you to know that as a child of the kingdom, you are in the kingdom. Your responsibility is not just to the church. A lot of people are playing church, and that's why we have a lot of problems in our world today. Because when you play church, there is no way you can avoid the politics that come from it. But God has not called us to play church. God has called us to the kingdom. He said, seek ye first the church. He said, seek the kingdom. You see, the church is part of the kingdom. So if you are playing church, if everything about your understanding of coming into Christ is about church, you are limited. That's why a lot of you are not witnessing. That's why you don't share your faith. You know why? Because in church, there is always that assumption that everybody is saved. In church, there is always that assumption that everything is fine. But when you seek the Lord, when you understand that we exist in the kingdom, and in that kingdom we are representatives of heaven in this kingdom. So our responsibility is to bring the influence of God down so everything going on in this kingdom affects us. And when I say kingdom, I'm talking about this earth. Bible says the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our God and of his Christ and he will reign. He didn't say evil will continue to reign. He didn't say Abacha or Buari will reign. He said God will reign. God is the one reigning on earth. So when the world says other things will bring the world to an end, don't believe it. Go into God's word. Because God is the one who has a verdict. God's the one who can say the correct things about the earth. Why? Is the one who has rulership over the earth. Hallelujah. The second thing I want you to remember from last week is that there are four ways in which you can view accountability. 
There is an upward accountability which is our responsibility to God. Bible says, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy might, with all thy strength. Everything you've got, you've got to love God. But Bible also tells us that there is no way we would know that we love God except to examine the love we have for one another. Because no one has seen God at any time. So the only way you can know that you love God is your, 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 your attitude, your character, your behavior, your acceptance of other people. So when you love other people, then you truly love God. Why? Because you have not seen God at any time. So the evidence, if a man keeps saying, I love God, I love God, I love God, you just look closely into that man's life. Look at the people around him. Look at what he does with his money. Look at the way he makes use of his time and other resources he's got. Then you will know whether or not that man truly loved God. Hallelujah. Because you have not seen God at any time. That's upward. You have horizontal accountability. The accountability we have in the church, you see, that's part of the kingdom. For one another. Bible says pray for one another. Bible says confess your sins to one another. That's part of accountability. If I don't pray for people, if I don't have anybody to confess my sins to, man of God, I, I missed it yesterday. One guy was talking to me. I raised my hand before I remembered that I've got the Holy Ghost within me. I just put the hand down. Hallelujah. Bible says confess your sins to one another. Horizontal accountability. You see it in scripture. Hallelujah. There is also the one I call downward accountability. Hallelujah. Downward. The responsibility we have towards the earth. The things that are going on, you can't just keep your, keep your mouth shut. There are a lot of people that do not have voice. They don't have a voice. They can't speak for themselves. But look at you. You've got, you are educated. Perhaps you are even a you are a lawyer. Very soon you write your exam. All of you will pass in Jesus' name. You become lawyers. Hallelujah. Don't just make everything to be about money. Do some pro bono work. Hallelujah. Defend the defenseless. Because you, as a believer, you are, not just a, you are not just a lawyer. You are a Christian lawyer. Hallelujah. And as a Christian lawyer, you have responsibility, responsibilities not just to the church, but to the earth, to the world. People don't know. When it comes to God, you know it's something that you may do. No, it's something you must do. Why? You carry the mark of Christ. You are a Christian lawyer. So in the name of accountability, you must be able to uh, render your responsibility to, to the earth. Lastly, we have internal accountability. It is self-accountability. Bible says, test if you are in the faith. He said, examine yourself. Or don't you know yourself? That is self-accountability. You've got to continue. I mean, from time to time, find out how you are working with God. Your work with God. Your existence on earth. What are you achieving? Are you stagnant? Are you moving forward? Are you making progress? Are you regressing? You've got from time to time to examine how you live on earth. Because if there is no way for you to measure, you do not know whether or not you are making progress. Hallelujah. That's the reason why you need to exercise what I call self-accountability. This morning, I just want to talk about love. Hallelujah. Sometimes I, I, I think about what to wear to church. But this morning it was very easy. I don't know if this is the color of Valentine or whatever, but it's the closest in my wardrobe. <laughs> So it wasn't difficult at all. I just got there, picked the suit. This looks like red. This one looks like it. I just put it on. Hallelujah. 
Because you see, this is the Sunday before, you know, Valentine. Someone is already angry with me. He said, Pastor, show me where Valentine is celebrated in the Bible. Don't spoil our joy. <laughs> I am not here to argue with you. We just want to celebrate ourselves. Just want to show love. And that, I can prove from scriptures. I can prove that. I may not be able to justify Valentine, but I can justify the fact that we need to love one another. I can justify the fact that love is a force that we must express on this earth. Because there is nothing that expresses God on earth like love. Love is the fullest of the expression of God. Not prophecy. If I bring a man out now, blind from birth, nothing in the air so eye socket, nothing. And I just borrow your clothes, cut some pieces out, roll them into a ball and put it there. I'm just trying to do like Christ. He used clay. But I don't think we have clay around. I might just cut part of your, part of your trousers and just roll them into a ball and put it. And the guy's eyes, bone blind, nothing in the socket. And the guy's eyes just pop open. And he begins to say, I can see, I can see. All of you will leave your seat. All of you will jubilate. Glory, glory. Next Sunday, we will have to do three services. Because this place will not come. I'm serious. Why? Because before your very eyes, you saw a man born blind having his eyes restored. But the Bible says, that's a miracle. There is nothing. That compared to love, the Bible says is nothing. That thing you rejoice about, that thing that can make this place to triple in number, Bible says it's nothing where love is. Why? Because love is the fullest when it comes to the expression of God by man on the earth. The fullest. When John the Baptist got disillusioned and he sent men to Christ, are you the one to come? Why? Because Christ was busy expressing God. How was he expressing God? The Pharisees and the Sadducees, who were not only political leaders, but religious leaders, they will avoid someone. They will label this one. This one is a prostitute. And we have nothing to do with her. This one, this one, wine baba. They love to drink. And we have nothing to do with him. And then they begin to segregate, to just push some people aside. But when Christ came, there was no discrimination. So he goes into a house of a woman labeled a prostitute, sits with the woman, and begins to eat. Uh-uh. There was a day a man got offended. He said, if this man is truly a prophet, he should have known that this woman is a sinner. They called him the friends of sinners. Why? Because love does not discriminate. They called him the chief. The, he must have a demon. He must have a demon. Because this guy is always healing people. Even though he was always sitting with sinners. How can an unholy thing do only thing? You know, things like that, they were confused. Because they didn't understand. So Jesus told John, the people sent from John, go and tell John. He didn't say, go and tell John how I speak in tongues. He didn't say, go and tell John any of those things that you could attribute to supernatural things by himself. He said, go and tell John that the blind see. 
tell John the lame walk. In other words, go and tell John the compassion that comes from love that I have come to express on the earth. Love is a force. Love is a force. But you see, Kirk Franklin wrote a song. <laughs> yes. That song ministered to me. Let me say this if your faith can take it. At least this one is from Kirk Franklin. <laughs> if I've picked another, if I had picked another musician, many people can walk out of this place. You know the way did Jesus said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you, you have no part in me. Bible says a lot of people got offended. They were not only offended, they stood up from church like this. Imagine. They just took their Bibles. Say, I'm going. This one they say is a carnival, a carnival. Hallelujah. So to help your faith this morning, okay, Franklin, at least is a Christian, right? He said, love, a word that comes and goes. But few people really know what it means to really love somebody. That's the truth. There are all kinds of love on earth today. So the question is, if I have not qualified the title of my message, how do you know exactly what I'm talking about? That's the reason why I'm going to use scriptures. I want the one who created the earth to define what love is for us. I want the scriptures to define love for us because if we allow scriptures to define love for us and we have many love, many expressions of love on the earth, if I get the true definition of love from the scriptural angle, then I can, the other expressions can spring from that definition. Are you following me? So when I am cutting a lady, the rule of love will emanate from my understanding from scriptures. That love is different. Or the love, or that love is different. Because you cannot love Julia and love Kemi. That kind of expression at the same time. I know they do it in church, but it is evil. We ask the brother, I say, ah, how can you be loved? He said, man of God, we don't know. We're not married now. I'm just testing. There's no such thing. Hallelujah. There's no such thing. You can't test. If it is Julia, Juliana or whatever, go with Juliana. If it is Kemi, pursue it with Kemi. If it doesn't work, then we know that not that because it doesn't work the very next day. Tuesday was the last meeting you had. And you said, you see, this thing won't work. By Wednesday, another lady is there. And it's not that you are just starting out with that new lady. You were doing the two concurrently. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let the word of God define what love is so that you will be able to regulate your life correctly. There are other types of love. For instance, I have a wife. The capacity I have to love her, or no, 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 that's not the word. The way I love my wife, I cannot love another person like that. You see, many of you are clapping for me because you think it is uh, maybe some other people cannot do it. I am saying it's impossible. Let me see if I can quote this because not many of us are married. 
There are expressions of that love that is meant for only her alone. See, my emotion is not involved. It's not a thing of emotion first. This love is not whether I feel like it or not. The rule of God within my heart has constrained me to only love her in that capacity. I am constrained. I am constrained. It's like a man shackled. We have been handcuffed together. Hallelujah. So, that is not just a man expressing affection for the wife. That is a man expressing the love of God to the wife. It's an expression of the love of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 13 before we get too excited. <laughs> so, Franklin says, that word is all over the place, but very few people really know the true meaning of love. John 13, verse 34. John 13, verse 34. Are you there? He says, a new commandment. Can you help me tell your neighbor? New. Yes. When he says a new, it means there is a comparison. There is one that must be what? Old. A new commandment I give to you. That you love one another as what? As I have loved you. That you also love one another. I will tell you something I love about God. When we were in school, I don't know about your own school. My own school, they will teach you 2 plus 2 equals 4. 6 plus 6 equals what? When you get to the exam hall, 2 raised to power 2 plus 4 raised to power 5 Minus six equals what? They will ask you what they have not taught you. Or what they have not taught you thoroughly. But look at this scripture. I give you a new commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. I am not demanding what has not been displayed to you. I'm not asking you to do that which you have no clue about. I am asking you to do what I demonstrated before you. Love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Look at verse 35. By this, all we know that you are what? My disciples. If you have love, one for another. If you have love, one for another. Every society is defined by the norms and the laws and other things, culture, nurture, and stuff like that, of that particular community. For instance, if you say, I am a Yoruba man, as a Yoruba man, when I see an elderly person, what do I do? I prostrate to a guy from Bayesa. He will say, is he your God? 
Why are you prostrating before him? No, in Yoruba parlance, we know this person is not my God. But we know this is the person through whom I came into this world. And it does not have to be my own father. Anybody in the same age range or that is older than me, the culture compels me to express respect. And the expression of that respect is to go down and prostrate. If you go to another society, it's different. Because I was visiting my sister in Sapele and went to greet someone. And we're sitting outside the door, the window. Where our, I mean, the window, they opened the window this way and we're seated this way. So if you want to close the window, we either need to stand, we have to stand up so that the person can close the window. So this young girl just came. We were seated talking to her father. And she just came and held the window, waited a little bit, and tried to close the window. We did, we were not on our feet. I was shocked. Because a young man would say, Sir, please, I, I want to close. Can I? I really. It was, what she did was more like, Chet, You cannot see that I want to close the window. <laughs> the father did not do anything. Perhaps it was later I was thinking about it. Maybe it didn't mean nothing. Or maybe the girl, girl was badly trained. Or brought up, or maybe within their culture, you are supposed to know some things. If I want to close the window, you should know you should remove. <laughs> you should know. Every society is governed by certain norms, certain rules. Jesus said, In this kingdom, if you are part of me, what will distinguish you on the earth is the expression of the love that I've shown you. By these all men we know you are my disciples. Look at it critically. At this point, he had already sent them out. They knew how to heal. Because a lot of you will say, uh, maybe because the Holy Spirit has not come and they have not started performing miracles, that was why he was telling them about love. No. If you read your Bible carefully, he had already sent them out. When they came back, they were rejoicing. When we mentioned in Jesus' name, out! He said, Demons obeyed us in your name. As we mentioned your name, we saw miracles, we saw many things. But when Jesus was to mention the things, the thing that would distinguish them on the earth, he said, Love, this commandment, a new commandment I give to you, love one another. That is how you would distinguish yourself. You know why? Because when Moses threw down his rod and he turned to snake, the magician did the same thing. So the spectacular can never be what will distinguish us. The deception across the land today is as a result of people queuing behind the spectacular. So you see all manner of things. But guess what? Jesus said love is what will distinguish us. I've not read it myself, but it is said that Mahatma Gandhi acknowledged Christ Jesus. He said, I love Christ, but I don't like Christians. In other words, he was saying, what I read about Christ, what he did when he was on earth, I loved it. Perhaps he would have been a Christian. He said, but I observed the lives of Christians. It is nothing like the Christ that I read about. Jesus said, by this, men will know you are my disciples. Love is the distinguishing factor. 
the moment you stop reflecting love or expressing love, you stop expressing Christ. It does not matter if you got five people saved yesterday. You didn't hear me. Remember the song I sang last week? That song is a product of a heart that does not really love. If you sing it to yourself alone and it pushes you to go out to evangelize, that would be positive. But if you sing it to taunt people and to show them they are going to hell, remember that song now? One day, now one day, a cinnamon go see himself for hellfire. You know, go. Christ has not called us to remind the world that they are going to hell. He called us to express love on the earth. He called us to display a kind of love that the world has not seen before. Let me ask you this question. I said it last week. I love gays. Homosexuals, yes. I've come across some of them in the course of my career. MSM, Men Sleeping With Men. That's an organization, by the way. And so many other people in regular organizations. And I sit down, we have conversation and all that. How can you hate what someone is doing, but you love the person unreservedly? It's only Christ's love that has that kind of capacity. The world hates what it hates. The world loves what it loves. But when it comes to Christianity, there is hate red for what someone is doing. There is a boundless love for that person. It's only in Christ such contradictions exist. The man is confused when he sees you on the pulpit telling, talking, preaching against homosexuality and then you are out. You're like, have you eaten? And all that and you are producing the last money you have and you are giving to that person. He's confused. Isn't this man the one that just pulled us down? How come he has so much concern for our welfare? That's the love of Christ. The Sadducees didn't understand it. The Pharisees didn't understand it. And in this world, if you continue to express it, they won't understand it also. Let me tell you something that happened to me. In 2006, I was on a project sponsored by EU. The state project manager caused a division within my organization. So my organization, look at what they did. My organization, we had national and we had state. The national office wrote proposals and we got placement within that program. But one way or the other, the state found themselves there also. So if they give us two projects, they will give one to national and give, they give one to state. If you do not know, that was wrong. We're supposed to determine within our organization, how we want it done. Do you get what I'm saying? That's the scenario. And then when we found out, the state person suddenly became the prayer, prayer what? Prayer partner of the state, of the EU state manager. And they were really, really causing a lot of problems. I was the project manager for, my, for the HQ, for the, for the head office, national office, thank you. But guess what happened? Along the line, the state program manager had a problem with the regional manager. The regional manager wanted to get rid of her by all means. But you see, the means 
employed by the regional manager to get her out of that place was no right. Do you get what I'm saying? So it was unjust. Guess who rose up? The national director that has been victimized for over two years. The national director that they will split his project and just give him the remnant was the one that led other partners to fight for this woman to retain her job. I've never, I've been a Christian since my secondary school days. I've never seen anything like that. For me, that was an opportunity to show this program manager that we have the power to remove you and we're going to remove you now. We led the protest that helped that woman to retain her seat. I saw the love of Christ on display. So guess what happened? This woman ceased to be the prayer partner of that person. When she resumes in her office, she will leave her office and come to our office. So we started avoiding her because we're not doing our work. But the point I'm making is that what will make a man that had been victimized by this other person to still be the one leading, championing the cause to make that woman retain her seat? It's only the love of Christ that can do that. I tell you, because that love constrains. It makes you to do certain things that even you, you do not understand. Hallelujah. Turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 8. I still want to emphasize the fact that love is a commandment. What is love? It's a commandment. Love is a command. It's a commandment. Now, you remember how Moses went to the mountain and he received the two tablets. Written on those tablets are the Ten Commandments. Thou shall not kill. Thou shall not do this. Thou shall not do that. So the old covenant we are talking about, or the old testament, I mean the old laws, commandments, that we are talking about, is we are talking about the Ten Commandments. Because a lot of people say, the Ten Commandments, are they not still in operation today? Is there no place for the Ten Commandments? Look at what the Bible says about it. Hebrews chapter 8, and I want to read from verse 7. Hebrews chapter 8 from verse 7. Hebrews chapter 8 from verse 7. Love is the commandment that we have today. The Bible says, For if that first covenant had been faultless, no place will have been sought for a second. Because finding fault with them, he says, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make what? When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by hand, to lead them out of the land of Egypt. So you know it was, it was referring to the Ten Commandments. Because they did not continue in my covenant. And I disregarded them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind. And write them on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor, and none his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, 
from the least of them to the greatest of them, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds. What will happen to it? I will remember no more. So he says, I remove the first covenant, but this second covenant is not like the first one. The first covenant, Moses is expected to place it before the people. They are supposed to read it and try to live by it. But Jesus, God said, in the second covenant I am bringing, this new covenant, is going to be such that I will engrave this law upon the tablet of your heart. It will no longer be from outside in. It will be from inside out. It will no longer be what you observe on the outside that you try to do within. It will be what you are convinced of within that finds expression on the outside. Hallelujah. And so in God, the fulfillment of this particular scripture is the establishment or the introduction of the love of God into our hearts. The introduction of the love of God into our heart is, the, is what fulfilled this particular prophecy from Jeremiah. What I just read to you from Hebrews chapter 8. First John chapter 3 verse 14. Bible says, we know. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. But he doesn't abide in God. He says we know. Let me have that scripture. We know that we have passed from death to life. You see this death is not physical death because I've taught you before that all of us, physical death is the end of all men. Every one of us. And so our mortality is supposed to be embraced. But the death being talked about there is a spiritual death. The definition of a spiritual death is the separation of man from God. The separation of the spirit of man from that of God. Hallelujah. So he says, we know that we have passed from death to life. So the life there is the union we now have with the spirit. Bible says that he's joined to the Lord is what? One spirit. We have become one with God. So he's telling us that we know we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. In other words, loving the brethren is not an emotional thing. We found a different thing, a capacity within us to love the unlovable. We suddenly found within ourselves the ability to love those who despitefully use us. We are realized that we now have the capacity not only to love those who love us, not only to love those who have something, one thing or the other to contribute to our lives, not to love those who are giving us one thing or the other, but to also love those who are always out to malign us, always out to abuse us, Always how to talk us down. A believer now has the ability to love the unlovable. He says, now we know. You see, that knowledge, that knowing, is not that which we are taught. He said, I will write my law in their heart. 
All of them will know these things. Nobody will need to teach another. That is that kind of knowledge. This knowledge is a participatory knowledge. It's a kind of knowledge that you know something happened to me. This brother prayed with me and then I began to, to, to see things in a different light. Don't get me wrong. If a man is saved and it was dark, he will be a dark believer. If a man or a woman that is light complexion, but a sinner comes to Christ Jesus, she will be a light complexioned Christian lady. Nothing changes on the outside. But you see, within that person, his spirit has not been refurbished. His spirit has not been renewed. His spirit died. A new spirit was given to him. That new spirit is born after God in true righteousness, holiness of truth. That spirit within him. So he says, we know. We know. How do we know when we realize that we have the capacity to love our brethren? So the love for men that you have for men, if you do not have love beyond your household, you don't have love for people outside of your, you know, examine the kind of love you have. Because it might actually be a true indicator of whether or not you are saved. Let me drop a bombshell. A lot of people are walking the face of the earth today. Are you born again? They say yes. They do not know God. They are not saved. You know why? They have zero capacity to love any other thing apart from themselves. They love themselves. Tell me, can't you see my shoe? You have not complimented me. Am I too small for you to see? You should have just winked twice for me to know you appreciate me. It's self-love. It is selfish. Hallelujah. He said, you know, we know that we have passed from death to life. The evidence of that transformation that occurred in the spirit is seen in our capacity to love other people, including the unlovable. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. Hallelujah. He says, he that does not love his brother abides in what? Abides in death. Let me say this also. There are many believers. They are believers. They know that they have the capacity to love the unlovable. But you see, there are people in their lives that they hate. Serious hatred. When you mention the name of that person, their eyes will change. At the mention, not the name, the first letter of that person, they are suspicious. This guy is about to mention that name. If you complete that word, it says, he who does that abides in what? Death. No wonder things are not working. No wonder you make all the money only to put it in a pocket that is full of holes. No wonder it's always almost. I almost made it. He writes proposal. is the best. They are considering it. At the last minute, they drop it and pick another. No wonder everything is set. You are the preferred candidate. On the day you are to show up and defend that thing for your name to be the one they will pick, you couldn't leave the house because of sickness. It's so severe you can't leave. 
That man is a believer, but the Bible says because he does not love, he abides in death. You don't get it. The life of Christ cannot flow into him. John chapter 15. He said, he that does not abide in the vine. I said, abide in me and I in you. He said, as a branch cannot abide alone except it is joined to the vine. He said, the same way, abide in me. In other words, glue yourself to me. How do you glue yourself to him? He said, the same love I showed you, express that love. Because it is within that atmosphere that my life can flow into yours. John 15. John 15. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. If you don't abide in Christ, you are abiding in what is called death because Christ is life. So he that does not love is abiding, is having fellowship with death. Another name for death is corruption. Another name for corruption is lack of progress. Another name for corruption is decay. Everybody is moving forward. You cannot move forward. Prayer meeting, you are there. Evangelism, you are there. But we do not know. Only God can bear witness to the hatred that you are born with, that, that you keep within your heart. The capacity you have is for hatred, not love. How do you manage? I ask believers, how do you manage? How can the spirit of Christ be in a man and the man is expressing the opposite of what that spirit produces? It must be a great conflict. No wonder, Pastor Femi, you quoted the scripture, you said something is like rotting something. A merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit is like what? It's like rottenness to the bone. What do you think takes away somebody's joy? If you don't love, can you abide? Can you be joyful? Can you experience the joy of the spirit? The joy that comes from the spirit when you are neglecting the love that comes from that same spirit? It's impossible. Rottenness to the bone. It's of corruption. So it's either you are abiding in life or you are abiding in death. You know why? Because love is the evidence of the new life. Yeah. Love is the evidence of the new life. No man can tell me there were people in scriptures that Paul mentioned, two people. Imenios. Very difficult name to pronounce. I think it was their sins that made them. <laughs> Don't let's go that way. Two people. He said they cost me great harm. Why? Instead of giving him love, they were giving him hardship. Because of that, Paul could not, with absolute, absolute um, certainty, <laughs> tell whether or not they were believers. Many of you know that scripture. The foundation of the Lord stands sure. Having this seal that the Lord knows those who are his. Let every man that names the name of the Lord depart from what? From iniquity. Because these people were not showing love, but they were showing hatred. They were causing hardship. Paul could not say they were believers. Paul said, well, God knows. The foundation of the law stands sure. 
the seal is that the Lord knows those who are his. In other words, I cannot determine whether they belong to God, but the Lord knows whether or not they belong to him. Why? Instead of showing him love, they were causing him serious hardship in his work of Christ. Hallelujah. That's the evidence. First John chapter 4. This is the last scripture before I move forward. First John chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. First John chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Church, are you following me? John chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. He who does not love, does not what? He doesn't know God. He who does not love, does not know God. For God is what? So love is not what you do. Love is also a noun. It's not just a verb. Not just a verb. You don't love. No, you don't. You don't love. I'm just trying to do the... <laughs> love is also a noun. The Bible says God is what? God is love. Let's continue. That scripture, okay? He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Verse 9, in this... The love of God was manifested towards us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might what? That we might live through him. I'm trying to emphasize the word abide. This capacity for love does not just come from you. It comes from the spirit that he has sent into your heart. Are you following what I'm saying? It is not a struggle. It is not a struggle. It's a new commandment. He said, this one, I'm the one that we engrave it in your mind, in your heart. When you find yourself struggling, struggling to do it, you've got to re-examine it whether or not what you have is really, really the love of God. Because if it is the love of God, it is the help, it's through the help of the Holy Spirit that it is lived out. When someone does something and you feel like Wounding a metal chain around your wrist or around your hand and give him two blows. But the spirit says, ask him if he has eaten. No, no, no. You don't feel like boxing him alone. You feel like getting a metal, wrap it around your hand and give him two blows. So that the mark will remain there for many, many years to come. And the spirit is saying, ask him if he has eaten. Oh, Jesus then you know that you are not the one. If it has never happened to you, you need to watch it. It has happened to a lot of us. Who can bear me witness? What you feel is different from what you know that you have to do. What you feel towards that person is totally different from what you know that you have to do. Then you know something, someone else is in control. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just need to seek some things. Now, the way I'm talking right now, there's a tendency for someone to feel that <laughs> some of us are, we have perfected the art of love. Glory! As we're crossing to the new year, I did something. Somebody engaged me. Don't let me hide. The pastor effect came to me and said, Pastor, is this thing God or is he you? I was honest. I couldn't lie. 
and said, this is me. I had taken an, a particular action, very serious one, but I knew that action was my action. It was in the spirit. In me, I felt I was tired. In me, I felt this is it. But when he asked me that question, I couldn't lie. Why do you think I could not lie? It's not possible for the spirit of Christ to be in you and you can lie at will. When he asked me, I checked. I said, this is me. It's not the spirit. Because there was no time that the spirit asked me to do that. Are you following what I'm saying? The point I'm trying to make is that the love I've been describing also grows. Nobody can come out and say, I have attained unto fullness of love. There is nothing so called. Because there is nobody here, nobody here that will examine your life that we will not still see gaps that exist that you need to fill when it comes to your love walk. There are still gaps. There are still gaps to be filled. There are times you miss it. There are times you got it right. But you see, you, your ability to recognize that there is a place for growth. A place where you build more capacity to express the love of God. That place also exists in God. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22, it talks about the fruit of the spirit. So it describes love as something that grows. It describes love as something that grows from the tree of the spirit. Are you following me? It describes love as something that flows. Something that grows. Hallelujah. How do I put this? You know, I wrote it down in my notes that love grows. Then I thought about it. That is it love that grows or the man who has received the love of Christ is the one growing. You know why? I think the appropriate way to put it is that a man that has received the love of God has the capacity to grow in that love. Think about it. Because what you call growth, what you call growth, what we define as growth is the um, so this is me. I've received the love of God. But I still have my will. So in my will, I feel like punching Femi. But the love of Christ within me constrains me and will not allow me to punch you. But instead, we want me to give something or render a, a help or support to Femi. The essence to which I yield to that spirit is the measure of growth I have attained in God. I will go over that again. I have my will. In my will, there's a particular way I want to respond to an issue. But the spirit of Christ constrains me not to respond that way. The extent to which I yield to that spirit is the growth that I've attained in God. It's the growth that has taken place in love. Hallelujah. Is this true? <laughs> Hallelujah.
Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love. And it mentioned a lot of things. I'll tell you why I paused a little bit before going on. I have a whole lot of things listed. I'm just asking myself, what more do I emphasize to these people? The love we are describing is not gentle. The love we are describing is not one that is just there, just passive. The way the Bible describes the love of God he describes the love of God using active verbs. The love of God constrains. You know what it means to constrain? In a bit, you want to do it, it pulls you back. The way the love of God is, is described in the Bible, it's described as a force. So when people don't walk in love, I'm shocked. Now, don't get it wrong. This is what I'm saying. When I say people don't walk in love, I don't mean we walk in love all the time. What I'm simply saying is this, that people don't experience that pull or push, as the case may be, baffles me. If you are under the sound of my voice, I'm not saying you are perfect in love. But if you don't constantly experience that, that pull, uh, you want to do it, but something is pulling you back, that if you have never experienced the force of love, then we need to experience what you are saved. Because those who are saved, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.14, for the love of Christ does what? Constrains us. Inhibits us. Restricts us. The love restricts. The love inhibits. The love of Christ controls. He wants to gain the upper hand. And what you call growth is the extent to which you allow the spirit to have its way. Things have been turned on its head on the earth today. There is nobody, and I challenge you here, there is nobody walking in this love that will not be described by the world as being weak. Didn't you see what he did? Didn't you read the mail? Did you hear what he called you? Do you know why the world says that? Because when you refuse to respond, the world defines you as weak. When you refuse to respond in the way of the world, they say you are weak. But guess what? The Bible, what the Bible describes as courage, the world describes as weakness. What the Bible describes, the man who we told himself. You know why? The Bible says, if you fail in the day of adversity, that is in the day that you are experiencing that kind of contradiction, in the day that you are experiencing that pull, you want to do it, but the Spirit is pulling you back. No, you cannot afford to do that. You know, you, have, you bear the mark of Christ. Have you forgotten you are the holiness of Christ? Have you forgotten you have been saved? Have you forgotten you've been rescued from the power of darkness? And been translated into the kingdom of his dear son. Have you forgotten? You are partakers of God's inheritance. Together with the saints in life. So the spirit pulls you back. By reminding you your identity. Who you are in Christ Jesus. But the Bible says. 
in the day of adversity, if you give in, what does it reveal? Your strength is small. But the world is saying, give in. Give it to him. Show him that you too, you have um, appropriate adjectives to describe what he has done. Don't call him stupid. Call him Likompo. Don't call him a thief. Or don't call it stealing. Call it nimnim. And also, give it to him. But the love of Christ does what? It constrains us. Don't do it. You can't do it. You can't do that. That's not who you are. Hallelujah. You've got to follow the word love that constrains. The love that constraints. I look at the time. Don't worry. The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet, but it won't be complete if I don't say this. This is the last point I'm going to make. You see, I have a lot to say. And I have another opportunity. I will continue with this. But see, we are people of faith, right? The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to do what? So anybody that wants to please God, what that means is that if what you are doing on earth would be acceptable by God, if your thoughts and your actions would be approved by God, then it has to be done in faith. But do you know the funny thing? The Bible says faith expresses itself through love. The Bible says wherever you find faith, look closely. Behind that faith, there is a love that is pushing it. Love is the force of faith. Love is the force of faith. I've never seen a man who operates in faith and is not a man of love. If you say this man is full of faith, you are also saying this man is full of love. You want to doubt me? Galatians, where is it? Where do we have it? Galatians chapter 5 verse 4, uh, chapter 5 verse 6. He said, faith walketh through what? Through love. You don't understand. Azusa Street Revival of the early 1900s. That revival was all over the place. Initially, the man that is Samoa was learning in a place where the white people were inside that classroom. He was outside. He didn't mind the situation. He was learning the scripture. But when the fire of the Holy Ghost came, when revival came, that barrier was broken. White and black in the same place, carried by the fire of the Holy Ghost, were all over the place doing the work. But you know what? As that fire began to rage on, and many people were added to them, have you ever asked yourself what ended that revival? The same man that Samoa said, this is the greatest expression of the revival. The man started the work and became the, one of the greatest enemies of Samoa. Those who led that place brought a lot of people kindled fire in the hearts of many. Those people who were kindled by the fire of the Holy Spirit started doing certain things. Guess what? The original guys that were used by God started competing with them. They did not see it as the expansion of the kingdom. They didn't see it that the spirit of Christ is missionary in his expression. They thought everything would be about Azusa. Everything would be about their environment. The spirit was spreading things, causing things to happen. 
they began to do all manner of things. So, two congregations, Assemblies of God, came out of that revival, championed by white people. I think Church of Christ, the Church of God also, came out of the same revival by what? By black people. That was the end of the revival. Denominational doctrinal argument, things that didn't matter began to matter. Have you read Romans chapter 14? He said, a man esteems a day to be special. Another one esteems every day to be the same. He said, let every man be fully convinced in his heart. In other words, when it comes to the things that we are talking about, certain things should not be the conversation. If this is what you believe, go with it. But make sure that thing you believe, you are fully persuaded in your heart. Do you get what I'm saying? The things we argue about are not the things we should argue about. The only thing our focus should be on is the commandment that Christ has given to us and it is called love. The Bible says in Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything but faith expressing itself through love. Other things don't matter. Once love is established, the only way I will see a man who is persuaded otherwise from the things I believe are correct from scriptural standpoint is through love. You don't get what I'm saying? That I'm watch, I'm with Pastor Bero, and I know Pastor Bero believes that sanctification is a second work of redemption. I know many of you are wondering what am I talking about. Let me explain it. A lot of people believe that sanctification happens after you are saved. That after you are saved, there is a second experience where you are, you are sanctified, separated unto God. Another sect believes that the moment you receive Christ Jesus into your life, you are sanctified. In fact, I'm just trying to tell you, that was the major argument that led to Assemblies of God parting ways with these other guys. Hallelujah. But the Bible says those things don't matter. Those things don't matter. The moment you begin to dwell there, guess what will begin to happen? You will see division. You will see us arguing. You will see us forming sects. I belong to Paul. I belong to Apollos. You will see dissension. I mean, you see division taking place. The moment you be strive, the moment you begin to see that, it does not matter how sound the doctrinal arguments are. They are all in error. They have departed from love. The moment you begin to see strife, you begin to see, now, don't get me wrong. We can argue. We can come and say, no, this is my position. But it does not mean tomorrow, because we have arguments about doctrinal matters, I am not there for you. I'm not, I don't care about your welfare. Are you following what I'm saying? Do you see the difference? But the moment our arguments now begin to form who I'm going to support, who I'm going to listen to, who I'm going to help, who I'm going to ask for help, and things like that, just know you are in error. It does not matter how sound the argument of your position is. Hallelujah. Bible says faith which is the totality of the expression of our life in God, is expressed through love. Love is the test. Love is the test. Love is the test. God didn't give you a set of commandments. He gave you himself. God didn't give you a set of commandments. He gave you himself. When a man raises his hand and he says, God lives in me, that man is expressing something true and something real. He is saying the force of love abides here. 
It's not a concept that lives within you. It's a human, not a human being. It's God himself that lives within you. It's God himself that lives within you. Can you rise up to your feet and say, God lives here. God lives here. It's a culture. Repeat after me. It's a culture of habitation. God lives here. It's a culture of habitation. What does that mean? That means the Holy Spirit now lives within you. He doesn't live outside. That means the force of love lives within you. That force of love constrains you. It moves you. Hallelujah. Everything you need for life and godliness will be delivered unto you as you walk according to this commandment. What is the commandment? It's the commandment of love. He said, love one another. They came to Jesus. They asked him, tell us what is the greatest of all the laws. Jesus looked at them. He knew they were there to test him. He said, the first law says, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy might, with all thy soul, all everything. He said, the second is like it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as what? As yourself. Hallelujah. I just want us to pray this morning. I want you to commune with God. I don't know what you want to say to him. You have come to a place of empowerment. Because knowledge truly empowers. I want you to commune with God. Because one of the things love does is that it opens your eyes. It opens your eyes to see the things that matter. It opens your eyes to the important things on the earth. That's what love does. What the love does in your heart is that it removes fear. It does not matter what that fear is. It removes it. Fear of death. Fear of what life holds for me. Fear of the unknown. Fear of the future. Fear of certain outcomes. Fear of life itself says there is no fear in love perfect love matured love cast out fear as you grow in love fear we have no place as you grow in love you will find yourself operating with so much boldness with so much strength bible talks about jesus our Lord, he said, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising his shame. But we know what happened in the garden of Gethsemane. He said, if it's your will, oh God, let this cup pass over me. He didn't want to do it. He knew how difficult it was. But Bible completes the picture for us. The joy that was set before him. What was that joy? That you and I will be made free. That sons of men will become sons of God. That men, ordinary men, will become possessors of God's spirit. That was the joy. That was the possibilities. The possibilities set before him. It was love that drove him to the cross. It was love that drove him to the cross. That same love, if you are saved, is alive within you. It's alive within you. It's alive within you. It's alive within you. It's alive within you.
Can you make a confession this morning? Regarding the love of God. Father, your love is active within me. I listen to the voice of your spirit. Bible says, Romans chapter 5, verse 5, the love of Christ has been shed abroad in our hearts. Lord, your love rules my heart in the name of Jesus. Everything I do, your love is the motivation for everything I do on the earth in the name of Jesus. Are you making a confession this morning? Your love is the rule of my heart in the name of Jesus. Everything I do passes through this test of love. Somebody is confessing. Somebody is repenting. Can you offer forgiveness to those who have wronged you? I want you to do that right now. You said you will never do it. You will never forgive. You are not doing that person. You are not affecting that person. You are the one limiting the possibilities of God in your life. Can you repent in the name of Jesus? I forgive. Forgive that person from your heart. Just release them. Release them. Leave them. Let them go. Let them go. God has been waiting for you for so long. Let him do what he wants to do in your life. Stop holding on to strife. Stop holding on to bitterness. Release them from your heart. Release them. Release them. Under the same atmosphere, I pray. This is an impartation for those who are having problems in their relationships or in their marriages. I have experienced the miracle of the Lord. Things that up to today astounds me. I'm shocked that such is possible in God. The same I for you that I also know so well that the love of Christ will strengthen that relationship in the name of Jesus. It will bring you back together to where you never thought possible in the name of Jesus. Bible says when the Lord turns again the captivity of Zion we were like them that dream. That will be your experience in the name of Jesus. You will look for the problem. It's no longer there. It will no longer be there from today in the name of Jesus. We give you thanks, Father. We adore you, Jesus. We adore you, Jesus. We adore you, Jesus. Can somebody celebrate the Lord? Celebrate the Lord. Give him praise. Celebrate him. Sorry, hold on. You see, I, I'm not really satisfied. I want you to celebrate the Lord. I'm not saying celebrate me. <laughs> celebrate the Lord. Celebrate the Lord. Hallelujah. Never forget, love is the greatest miracle. That there is. Where there are prophecies, what will happen? They will fail. Every other thing will fail. First Corinthians 13. It's only love that endures. It's only love that endures. In heaven, there's no prophecy. There's no need to show kindness to anybody. But love will still rule in heaven. Hallelujah. God bless you.
Thank you for listening. We hope you've been tremendously blessed. You can worship with us at the Baptizing Church, Excel Center, Abuja, Plot 989, Ulusha Way, Urbizit Advanced Link, Filling Station, Central Business District, Abuja, Nigeria, or call 090-8006-6773. You can send an email to info at tbcabuja.org. We meet every Sunday at 9 a.m. and on Wednesday at 6 p.m. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at TBC Abuja, on Facebook at The Baptizing Church, TBC. God bless you as you come. Oh.